Welcome to Catch the Fire Toronto's weekly sermon podcast. This message was recorded live at Catch the Fire Church in Toronto, Canada. We hope you enjoy it. I want to talk about a desert island. When I was a student, uh, when I was in high school, actually, I went to a boys' school for a couple years. And uh, this was St. Andrew's College. We've actually, in the School of Ministry, we've uh, had a lot of help from them, although they didn't really realize this until recently. But St. Andrew's College has uh, done a great job as a boarding school of uh, providing uh, uh, documentation and protocols for how to handle uh, students in a boarding situation. And so we've used a lot of their information. They've passed many of their documents onto us freely, which has really been great. But when I was a student there, I think in my last year, we had the opportunity to do this project where we wouldn't be in school, wouldn't be in class, but we had this project. And the project that I decided I wanted to be a part of was a survival trip on a desert island. And uh, we, we worked to make this happen over months. It took a lot of planning. Uh, there were a lot of things we had to take into consideration. And finally, the day came. It was sometime probably in February or March. And uh, 18 of us flew off from Toronto. We probably landed in Florida and then Bahamas and another probably little plane. And then in two trips, we went out to this deserted island on a, on a little Boston whaler. The waves were high. I remember being a little bit frightened of, of how that was, you know, are we going to tip over and die here in the ocean? And the, uh, the, the people who lived in the, in the, in the sort of major town uh, across the way thought we were crazy because uh, there was nothing there. There was nothing on this island. It was just maybe 100 yards long, maybe less. It was sand and coral and scrub brush. There was one coconut tree. I remember this because there was one coconut, and I didn't get that coconut. I was so envious of my friends who got that coconut and had that goodness. And what we did for food was that we, we had spears, and we, we went out into the ocean uh, we tried to spear fish. I was terrible at it, so I didn't get any of that. But I was I was good at something else, and that was that we found a conch bed, and we put those conch into our little boat, moved it into shore so that any day we could just come out into the shallows, grab a conch, and roast it over a fire. That was pretty much my uh, staple diet for that week. And it was a, it was kind of a dangerous situation in a way because there was a riptide, Certain uh, times of the day when we'd be out swimming, we, we tried not to get out in that time. Uh, one of my friends tried to uh, poke around in some holes under the water and a moray eel came out after him. Another one speared a shark. The shark didn't really realize and the shark just swam off with his spear, thank goodness. Uh, another guy picked up a dead stingray, of course got stung by that. And he was also the same guy who got a sunburn, which is Everybody was warned about getting a sunburn, and uh, but he managed to do it. It was um, it was an interesting experience because we we didn't get enough to eat. We were teenage boys sleeping in sleeping bags uh, in the sand when it rained. We had water and sand in our in our uh, in our sleeping bags. Uh, I remember sitting around thinking and talking. Actually, we would do this. We would talk about what we were going to eat when we got back. And specifically, I remember, I'm going to have a hamburger and fries and a strawberry milkshake. Strawberry milkshake, that's what I really wanted. And at the end of that time, of course, 
you know, you you go through something like that and you you come out of it and you feel a little bit like a different person. It was a, a, a rite of passage, something that we endured and we got through pretty well. And uh, I really, you know, that was a formation uh, moment for me. If you read the Gospels in big chunks, you realize that Jesus went out into the desert many, many times. It was his habit, seemingly like every day. Uh, he would go out to be alone with the Lord. Uh, there were moments when, uh, when the crowds were pressing on him, pressing on his disciples. They, were, they felt a bit harried, and Jesus tried to get them away into the deserted place. But uh, the place that we probably most remember was after Jesus' baptism. Uh, Jesus went out into the desert and spent 40 days and 40 nights there. Uh, most of you know this story uh, specifically from Matthew. The devil meets him out there and tempts him with three temptations. Uh, you're hungry. If you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down from the temple because after all, scripture says the angels will take care of you. And of course, the last one was really about Jesus' identity and calling. Bow down to me, the devil says, and I'll give you everything. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And there's a lot of ways you can talk about this, uh, but certainly uh, this is about Jesus resisting the temptation of, of, of the cravings of the flesh, cravings of the body. It's about proving himself uh, his identity, and of course, the temptation of calling. He has a calling, a destiny, a purpose even, and that temptation is right there to do it, but not in the right way. Jesus responds to all of these, as you remember, with quotes from Deuteronomy. And this is important, an important point because Deuteronomy really re recapitulates, re re recaps the story of Israel leading from Sinai and the giving of the law all the way to the edge of coming into the promised land. And they need a new vision. And some of the quotes that he gives refer back to the, the trials and temptations and failures of Israel in the desert. And what's happening here is more than just Jesus refusing the temptation of the devil. That, that is certainly taking place. But on a bigger level, what's really happening is that Jesus is now coming to embody Israel. As Israel, who was God's son, failed the tests in the wilderness, now Jesus has picked up the mantle. He is the embodiment as God's unique son, and he picks up all the hopes and promises and dreams of Israel for the world, and he advances God's agenda forward. He is the one who bring and his is bringing the kingdom of God. So that's kind of the background, I would say, for what's happening in the context of Matthew chapter four. But uh, as, I, as I was listening to God a few weeks ago, I felt like he had something more beyond this that he wanted to say to us and to me also personally. Let's go just to the first two verses. They say this, and Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So the word for wilderness here or desert is the word eremos. I'm going to refer to it multiple times. But eremos is not uh, the Sahara. It's not that kind of desert. It's, it's a dry, 
uh, dusty, rocky, barren place. You could call it maybe a wasteland. There's nothing, uh, there, there's no cultivation. There's really no people. There's probably some, some scrub around, some, some scraggly plants. Uh, there are probably some animals and insects. You won't see very many of them except maybe at night. And it's into this place that the Spirit leads Jesus. And when we read this passage, you know, we, we, if we, you know, we've mostly read it a million times, those of us who are Christians. So yeah, okay, Jesus is fasting in the desert. But what we don't realize is Jesus doesn't have to fast. I mean, I, I know there's no Burger King, there's no shopping malls, but Jesus doesn't have to fast. Jesus goes into this place, this empty place, and what he does is, is something that he didn't have to do. Jesus could have brought food with him. He could have, as the devil said, turned stones into bread. He could have left the desert. He could have been a survivalist and scrambled around for bugs and plants to eat. He could have done all of that. Uh, hard to see Jesus doing that. But uh, the point is he didn't have to do that. What he did was, in, in the empty place, he decided not to, uh, to avoid it, but to actually lean into this place. So what's happening is, uh, it, he's, he's here in the desert, he's in silence, in solitude. He's feeling that gnawing in your, in your midriff, you know, as you're hungry. He's restless. Maybe if any of you have gone for a while without food, sometimes you feel a bit restless because your blood sugar's off. Maybe he's doing that. Maybe he's daydreaming a little bit. Uh, but that's not just what's going on here. It's not just what's going on. It's interesting that the word fasting, which you have here, 20% uh, of the time it occurs specifically with, with words having to do with prayer, uh, having to do with worship. In fact, Acts uh, 10.30 translates that word fasting as prayer in many English versions. So what we can assume is that Jesus isn't just sitting there uh, dreaming about the cute girl in Nazareth that he saw a few weeks ago or dreaming about strawberry milkshakes. No, Jesus is actually in this place and limiting not just his food, but, but, but leaning into the moment. He's probably contemplating, he's praying, he's, he's uh, mulling over the events that had just happened in his baptism. This is a momentous occasion, his baptism. So Jesus is probably contemplating, what does this mean? How will this look? What's supposed to happen now? Jesus doesn't, doesn't avoid the implications or the potential of this desert place, but he, instead of avoiding it, he leans into the moment. There's an empty space, and he leans in by emptying himself even more. So for the last year, I would say we've really been in this, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a wasteland, not quite but an emptier place than we've ever been used to. When COVID-19 came, and we're probably all tired of talking about and hearing about COVID-19, but it goes on and on, uh, we, we, we had a lot of things stripped away from us that we're used to, some of which feel quite necessary. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're not able to be with our family and friends. The, the mere uh, uh, physical touch that we need has been certainly reduced, if not eliminated, for some people. Uh, people have lost their jobs, and that just that just hits everything. 
you know, it, it, we, we, we're built to work. No matter what it is, we're built to work. That's part of the human condition. We're built to work, and we're also built to be in community. And those two things have been devastating. We're, we're, uh, even, even if we're surviving well, we're, many of us are probably not doing as well as we should or as we would like. Uh, because, you know, when you lose your job, you lose a reason to get up in the morning. You lose a sense of forward momentum. You lose your, your social dynamic of the day. Many of us have a social dynamic at work. And you lose all of those things. Uh, even, of course, in my role, I do a lot of marriages, occasionally funerals. Those things, even those things have been hit significantly. We have to make all kinds of juggling in order to have, have those moments of high joy and moments of, 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 of weeping and um, uh, uh, th- those, those moments of wrestling with our mortality. We have trouble now even arranging them because of what's happening. Um, and our knee-jerk reaction for many of us, certainly for me, has been to fill up the emptiness. Empty empty spaces beg to be filled. Empty spaces beg to be filled. And that's what's happening. Many people uh, are, are, you know, we we joke about it. We're binging on Netflix or, or Disney Plus or whatever. We're into our social media more and more. News, sports, whatever. Uh, Empty things beg to be filled. And so that's, that's the knee-jerk sort of natural reaction to this space. We, we, we just try to fill up this empty space. And we do it, of course, in a million ways. At a Christmas, my wife gave me this book by John Mark Comer. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, this is probably a, uh, a book uh, recommendation coming from Jonathan Clark. So for those of you who love Jonathan Clark, you want to just get on and buy that thing. Uh, I sort of thought, well, this is great, but I don't, I don't really need this because I'm not really a person who, you know, hurries a lot. I don't feel under a lot of pressure to hurry and I, my life isn't that full. But as I began to read it, I started reading down the checklist of, of here's the effects of what happens when you're in this state. And I realized, oh, oh, oh man, that's me. Is the, it fit me to a T. And of course, the, 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 the title's a bit misleading because really it's about how we fill up our space and, and with noise, distraction, and we don't have enough margin to, to, fully, uh, to fully rest, to fully engage in productive and meaningful relationships. We're, we're too busy getting shots of dopamine from scrolling through our social media. Or, or just being immersed in, in, in movies and TV shows. And I realized, wow, you know, I don't, I don't really do social media that much. Those of you who know me would be laughing. Um, I don't really do that sort of thing. But I realized at that moment, wow, I have my go-tos. I have BBC and Formula One and Quora. And I, I, I found myself feeling restless. And when I was restless, I'd go and I'd, I'd, I'd do one of those things and check them. And then, you know, then I would, then I would stop after a while and, and then I'd be restless again. I'd go back. And what was really happening was all of these things were cycling and 
into restlessness. And the more that I did them, the more restless I felt. And a lot of us are in that place because we, we haven't, we, 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 instead, of, instead of leaning into the emptiness, we've tried to fill it because that just seems natural for us to do. And it's in this, this empty place. And by the way, all those things are not bad that I've said. Some of them are very, very good. But in this empty place, uh, we're challenged often even about, as Jesus was, about our identity. You know, if you lose your job, it's easy to say, well, oh man, am I ever going to get another one? What, what, what now? What, what am I, what am I going to do? Does God really care about me? Do I matter? And do I even have a future? It's really easy to fall into that place. Those of you who remember the, uh, uh, the song, A Horse With No Name, there is this line in the desert, you can remember your name. I always used to think it was the opposite. In the desert, you can't remember your name. That didn't make sense to me. But, but when we get in the desert, this is where we're challenged about our identity and our purpose. And yet the, the opportunity is this is the place where we can most fully understand who we are and where we're going and why we've been built. I don't think it's... I don't think it's coincidence that during this this period, this last year in COVID, that we we've had the, uh, you know all all the old injustices, uh, hatreds, frustrations, mistrusts have all flared up into into protests and deaths and bitter ideologies and and just a pouring out of this uh, putrid ugliness from people, even people who should know better than this. Why is it? Well, it's it's because in the desert, everything comes to the front. And we have to lean into it rather than trying to fill it up. What if the Spirit has led us to this place? Now, hear me clearly. I'm not saying that God created COVID-19 or that God is happy with COVID-19. This is a, this is a serious thing. Uh, people, people are dying. People have lost their jobs. People, some people are depressed. Uh, uh, the incidence of, of domestic abuse has shot up dramatically. It's, it's significant. Uh, so I'm not trying to minimize it. But what, what if in some way, and I, maybe there's a better way of saying this, but what if in some way the Spirit is leading us into this desert place just as he led Jesus into this desert place? What if the Spirit is leading us into this place? Because it's only in this place that he can do something, that we can do something that we couldn't do before. What if there's an opportunity here? People are always talking about the reset. And, and I, think it's, I think it's right. I think it's possible, despite everything that's going on, for many people to reset their lives. And not just become better and... Uh, whatever, I'm talking about in Jesus. Maybe in this moment, uh, th this moment is a place where we can become something that we haven't been before. We become more than we were before, become closer to God than we have. What if the Spirit is leading in this place to go somewhere good coming out of this? 
You know, when Jesus was baptized, just think about it. He's, he's heard the audible voice of God. He's seen the, the spirit come on him. He's felt this experience. And, and, and the, 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 the next thing that should be taking place is, bam, I'm going into the world. I'm going to heal people, drive out demons. I, I'm going to change the world because after all, that's my mission. Counterintuitively, the spirit leads him into the desert. Why? We don't know all the reasons why. It's not just to be tempted, but there's, there's something that, that, that happens in this place that allows Jesus to launch out of the desert in a different place. What if this time, this Eremos time for us is necessary for us to move forward at some point later? What if this Eremos time is a time for us to lean in and to empty ourselves, to give up some things so that we will be different in the future and even in this moment? I know for myself, I said some of it, but you know, my, my Netflix just kind of binging uh, food out of control, just ridiculous. And yet, as God has challenged me on this, as I've uh, imperfectly, I would say, embraced what he's saying and carried it out, I've seen lots of different things happen inside me. I feel different than I felt before. What if God wants to do that? What if God has an endpoint that's bigger than we know? And what is that thing for you this morning? Why don't we just go ahead and pray? Holy Spirit, will you come? Will you come to us manifestly wherever we are right now? In this building, in our homes, in our cars, wherever we're watching this, will you come right now? Will you illuminate us? Will you give us insight? Will you excite us with the possibilities of leaning into you and what this will mean for you and your kingdom and for us as human beings who love you. Uh, Lord, will you empower us and give us courage to enter into this empty place in a new way? I want you to just take a moment, everybody, and let's just listen to God. I want us to, to, to see what it is he wants us to lean into, how he wants us to lean into it. Is there something or some things he wants us to give up? Jesus, will you speak to me right here, right now? What is it you want me to give up? What is it you want me to scale back? And how do I do this? Just take a moment right now and listen to him.
All right. I want you to write down, if you can, or type it out if you've got a computer or whatever, what it is that Jesus wants you to give up or scale back. How does he want you to lean into this season? Likely, all that, that, uh, that small whisper of Jesus came to you in the first few seconds of listening to him. So if you thought you heard something, and, but then you were like, no, 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 that, that couldn't be. Uh, don't just dismiss that. That probably was Jesus talking to you. Now, how are you going to put that into practice? Trust me that, that this is a time, and we're, we're going to be in this for some more, you know, on up and down in the middle of this, of this wilderness place for a while. And our choices, do we, do we want to just fill it up with stuff? Want to fill it up with, you know, buying on Amazon all the things we think we need? Our diversions, do we, do we, want, to, do we want to just watch more Netflix? More Disney Plus. Is that what we want to do? Want to play more games? Do we want to eat more food? Do we want to, what is it? You know, do we really want to do that? Or do we want to lean into this season that is a, a, a totally unique season? And in some ways, a, well, in all ways, pretty much a unique season for bad. But in the middle of that, it's a unique season for us to move forward in a way maybe we couldn't move forward otherwise. I'm overstating my case a little bit. But how do, how do you want to introduce what Jesus wants you to do in this season? As followers of Jesus, our, you know, one of our goals is really actually to follow him. If we're disciples, we'll fall under his discipline. We will model our lives after him. And most of us have a long way to go in that modeling. But this is a place where we can begin or continue to follow Jesus. So I leave that with you. Jesus, thank you so much for what you've revealed today. Will you impress it on our hearts and, uh, and empower us again to make a change so that tomorrow we are no longer the same people as we were today. We look the same, sound the same, some parts are the same, but something is different in our lives and will remain different for the better. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We hope you encounter God and were inspired by this message today. To watch video of this message and other messages from Catch the Fire in Toronto, visit catchthefire.tv. Catch the Fire has churches, schools, events, missions and media all around the world. To find out more, visit catchthefire.com.